0: And welcome to podcast 277 of 5 Star Potential, your weekly football manager podcast. I'm Matt and this week I'm joined by only one other and that is Mr Madden. Hello sir.
1: Good evening, I'm a uh, slightly hoarse Mr Madden, Matthew, you may notice over the course of this episode. I've got two litres of water beside me that I plan to drink in between sentences. Christmas party as long as you're not and, you know. cow. Then, no, then we don't need fine. to talk about milk again. No, we do not. They don't need to know.
0: <laughs> they don't need to know. That's 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 the only little insight that you are getting, listeners. So on this week's pod, no, you dare. On this week's pod, we will be having a safe focus from Mister Madden, giving us an update on his version of the Globe Trotters. Uh, we're, we're talking all of the animal references. Apparently, Globe Trotters, pigs, uh, yes. cows, horse, uh, and. Our spotlight this week is going to be talking about uh, the first big old patch that has dropped uh, this week for Football Manager twenty three, um, with plenty of defensive elephants in the room that need addressing. Um, more, <laughs> more animals. More animals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, animal Farm. I mean that that is we're getting all very uh, discombobulated at this point, but um, gone to the dog's mess. It has gone to the dogs. This uh, spotlight was actually, we sort of planned it before the patch dropped, but we've kind of pivoted slightly as we think it's a big issue that kind of needs discussing. And there's probably some people that have no clue about it altogether, but we'll get there in a moment. Right. Um, You've had a blog drop recently. Harlem. What's going on? What's
1: what's going on? Harlem, yes, I can tell you about Harlem. This is Harlem in Holland, not in, uh, well, in the Netherlands, not not the one in New York. Uh, so we can start with that. Um, for anyone who doesn't remember the idea of the save, it's um, basically Harlem Globe Trotters. Uh, HFC Harlem is the first ever club of Rud Hullet, so we've kind of put him in as chairman, owner of the club. That club dissolved in twenty ten, so through the editor, we've resurrected them, and they're no longer extinct. And we started life in FM23 in the Kuken Campion Divisie in the Netherlands, which is tier two of Dutch football. So yeah, I dropped a post, Matt. We did, we finished a season, which is pretty good for me to finish a season before Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) And not not getting sacked as well. Yeah, 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 that too. Um, So I'm pretty happy with how, like, I've been able to play quite a bit. Um, Obviously, you know, it's a brand new club in effect, even though, you know, we've resurrected them, but... No staff, no squad. So you can imagine how much time was spent before I ever got to play the first game of the season. Because we had to bring in 25 players. So that was my goal, is to bring in 25 players into the squad uh, and obviously fill in all of the different staff members that just didn't exist in the game. It was literally just myself and Rude Hullet having a great time over in Harlem. Um, the other thing that I suppose is important to mention, the 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 main concept of the save, Matt, you'll remember, is sexy football, um, which is Rude Hullet's Um, well-known phrase from the 90s so the idea is that those players that we were signing considering we're in tier two of holland um the focus is to get players in with i suppose a particular nuance or particular inclination to play attractive passing possession um football that might look nice in the match engine and we're going to talk about that very very soon about match engine so yeah filled out the squad got 25 players in Matt. um I don't know if you'll know many of the names that I've signed considering you know you're looking at majority of free agents. I had about hundred I think I had about 130 k in my budget to spend for 25 players. So that's uh, It's fine. Nice. There's plenty, plenty to go yeah. around. <laughs> so you can imagine free agents and loans uh, were hooked up quite a lot. A couple of players you might uh, recognise the names. Kuko um, Martina used to be at Southampton I think a fullback right back. Um So he's landed in, brought in a 36-year-old Sylvain Marvo, who used to be at Newcastle. Oh, yes. Of Um, course you have. Of course I have, (laughs) for obvious reasons. Um, Anyone else you might really recognise? I picked up in a couple of interesting loans. Um, So I've got a young guy from Bayern, David Herold, his name is. He's down as a left back, but I'm playing him as a kind of a left-sided centre-back. So he, for the first season, spoiler alert, he got our player of the season. He had about a 7.1 average rating, which was quite good considering, and I'll tell you how we finished. Um other players, I got a couple of I got a striker on loan from Genk. Um I had another Korean midfielder on loan from Bayern. So a lot of good 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 few young players there, but obviously after the season one, they'll be gone. Um and the two star players we brought in, there was one guy who we got in on a free, he'd been released from Willem Willem Two, I suppose they're called. Um, which is Che Nunnally. Uh he's Dutch. Um, He basically, I haven't got it in front of me, but I think it was like 17 acceleration and 16 pace for this league. It's going to be ridiculous. And another guy then, Lucas Stellwagen, was a defender we bought from the third tier of Germany um, to be left back and definitely probably the best player we have. So that's where we started, Matt. Um, Built a tactic around sexy football, trying to push a lot of possession, um, you know, a lot of, I, I suppose, an inclination to keep the ball. Very a big focus on that. Considering now we've probably one of the weakest squads in the league, that's very ambitious. Um, uh, you know, playing the ball out from the back, uh high pace, positive all the time, either positive or attacking mentality, never anything else. So um really, you know, going in with that culture of score more than the opposition to win games. <laughs> so four three, four so three.
0: Well for Rude at uh at Newcastle they did it, that yeah. that approach.
1: Uh it did okay for about 10 minutes and then it all came crumbling down. And then he annoyed Alan Shearer and oh, it all he really fell did. to pieces. Yeah, they really fell out actually, so very sad. Um so yeah look, we got through the season. I'm just coming down to the I suppose the schedule here. We started uh not great. Um we won we won the first game and then we actually went and um didn't pick up a win in like eight games. So it was like oh god. You know, originally we played, when we started and won the game, I was like, oh, I hope I haven't, I hope I haven't made this somewhat too easy through the editor and the database and all that because, you know, Dupe and Joe would love that. So we don't, we don't want to give them any excuses. But then normality restored and yeah, we didn't win a game in eight. And uh, where I was spending some time was in the Data Hub, which is somewhere I've never really spent too much time in, in FM, to be honest. It's not usually my thing. I know there's a lot of people who are really good at it. I know that I'm not, so I don't really try. Um, but I know my limits. But where I was looking was um possession looking around possession and chances created, and we were just on the, the wrong end of the league for a team that's supposed to be playing sexy football and playing possession based football. We're just we're just really low down. I had put together a tactic that uh, was similar to one I used in FM twenty, kind of an asymmetric, let's call it a four it's hard to describe, like kind of like a four-one, two two one. Um just wasn't working uh, after those kind of eight or ten games. So we flipped it to the old kind of standard four three three. Um, got the three midfielders in. I think that that actually helped a lot. Uh definitely saw our luck change. We went, and then in the next kind of six to eight games, we won four. So by the end of December, we were uh, up from eighteenth to about thirteenth. I think so. That's not too bad. Um, then uh, I suppose phew, we spent a lot of time trying to look at the infrastructure Matt. Um. We have like the lowest and the worst. You know, we're we're very low ranked for all the facilities, training, youth and all that. So we're trying to actually drive all that up as well. Again, this club has dissolved since 2010. Stadium has three and a half thousand capacity, so it's one of the smallest. So um, spent a lot of time trying to to do a lot of work there. Got a horrendous youth intake in, surprise, surprise. Um, But again, I think that like that's somewhere where we can try and focus. I'm hoping that I'll probably end up bringing some players in on freeze and then selling them and getting some cash and then doing friendlies in between. We gotta get the gotta get the, the finances up. Because I didn't I wasn't too generous in terms of how we set up everything was very much mid tier. No, you were
0: the, you were very fair and like I was your I guess I was the person who kept you honest in that. And I, I didn't really you have were. to challenge you on barely anything really, but you were you were harsh on yourself and I think that when it's when you're going about creating a database it's always best to be overly harsh than overly generous. Um mm-hmm. You were saying about sort of trying to like pick up some frees and then sell them on. I kind of... It was weird when I was at Groningen in FM22. I kind of... I had that with like, players that barely played that I would get ridiculous offers. And it was from, from other Eredivisie clubs or clubs in Germany, not anything sort of higher. There were probably... I had a few championship clubs come in and Portuguese... Mm teams would come in, especially as I had a few Brazilian players and so they would look to sign those Um, uh, I had a few, I ended up rejecting the offers for, but they were, even though they were huge in comparison to I think the highest value player I had was about 5 million at that point and they came in and I managed to at least get double what his current market value was Um, he ended up not going in the end for but I think mm. they offered about twelve million, and he was only worth three at the time um in the end before I left, I did end up selling him, but for about again about twelve million and it was like an end of the season thing um the The issue was for me that the money wasn't then reinvested or they didn't ah, allow, but- I was only allowed to retain like thirty percent so I think that's probably gonna be where your issue is going to be at least until you get the academy up to the sort of the level it needs to be to actually have a chance of generating you anything worth talking about. And that is gonna be a long time coming as well.
1: <laughs> and this is it, Matt. But the good thing is we have time. Um look, if you remember my save last year, we don't go into detail on last year's save, but it ran for the whole cycle. Um I have no problem doing that. You know, I know some people get a lot of saves and I'm I'm happy if I'm engaged in one to keep to keep it for the whole cycle. Um Last year was very fine lines before, you know, uh, thinking I might get sacked. So we'll, we'll see how long this goes. But I don't mind that. so um, then, uh, look, uh, you mentioned Groningen, and actually. and We were talking about bids for players. They did come in and bid a million for chain who who's that guy I signed on a free. That's um, a lie. They
0: have no money.
1: So what they bid was, it was 600k. <laughs> it was like 600k rising to 1.1 1. 1 or something. And maybe, you know, there was probably all kinds of crap in there. Mm. Uh, but I flat out rejected it because I was like we're still in January, I was quite low on the table and he's definitely our best player. He was just starting to come good as well um, in terms of kind of goals and assists. So we rejected that, but he, somebody maybe, you know, if we could get two million for him, that would be huge for our bank balance uh, in lowly Harlem in tier two of, of the Netherlands. So um, the tactic change was a, was a bit of a, I suppose, a game changer in this season. We ended up kind of winning quite a few games. We got to um, January and we went unbeaten in something like eight or nine games now we only won one of them but we drew all the rest so a lot of yellow in that schedule um so we started to really kind of slowly turn the season around and then as we came into march and april we won pretty sure it was four out of six games um so we were very kind of comfortable in mid-table which was nice um you remember matt when you and i were um, building the database we reactivated relegations for this league because it was it wasn't Mm -hmm. uh, activated So i didn't really want to get relegated um, so long story short, that four three three that we switched to um and and I started putting a lot more effort into things like the training, the player instructions um you could see some you could start to see some positive outcome to it in terms of um our passing uh, statistics. I think we were in the top five for the league by the end of the season um so one of the graphs that you get in the data hub it's basically passes attempted per game and pass completion ratio. So we were quite high there. um, I think we had something like an eighty five percent pass completion which put us. Something like third or fourth in, in the league. Um, where we actually finished, though was 15th by the end of the season uh, out of 20 teams, which wasn't terrible. We won 11 games, drew 13, which is quite a lot, and, uh, and lost 14. The Probably the worst thing was we obviously conceded quite a lot of goals and just didn't score enough. Um, so that was kind of a focus area going into season two. Um, and I suppose one thing we'll mention now, I have obviously started season two since uh, a lot of the players that left over the summer... Had to be replaced. So probably about half the squad stayed. And then the rest is kind of back to back to the free transfer market and loans. And we spoke about Groningen, Matt. I wanted to ask you about a player. I did put up a tweet at the weekend about the CM attack role. So I'm just going to talk briefly about that as uh, in the early outset of season two. I signed a player called Luciano Valente from Groningen. And I don't know if you've heard of him or not. I f- like
0: So I did see the tweet and I was mm. I'm not sure if I had him or not because I, were, there young. was a similar named player, but I think he'd already been sold. Bear in mind, I would have been four or five seasons in mm. uh, because I didn't start at Groningen. It was just, I just ended up there gradually, so I th- I'm quite sure I saw I'm I saw his name, but I don't think I ever actually had him to play, okay. and I would need to look back to see. I check the actual save to see where he was when I joined. Um, I think the reason I re- recognize his name is because I think there was a clause when he was sold, and I was able to sell that to get some money or something yeah. similar to that. But I I don't recall actually playing him. Um, there, I did have a defensive midfielder, but that isn't this guy who you like. His the attributes do not match up at all.
1: Yeah, and as you can see there, like I mean, attributes wise, he's. he's- well, he's 19, I think, Um, 19 years old. He's an Italian, but he's been at Groningen since like 2019 or 20 or something like that. So um, I'm not sure how he got there, but he's there. So we brought him in alone loan um, as part of that three-man midfield. I had been playing a ball-winning midfielder in the DM role and then a DLP with a Mazzala um, just ahead of him. The Mazzala wasn't really cutting it when we started season two. Um, And this I turned to this guy, Luciano Valente. We'd signed him on loan. I'd only started him once in the first seven or eight games and particularly his passing which was um, I'm just opening the attributes now passing 14 technique 13 first touch 14 vision is 10 which could be better um, but he's just kind of I suppose for this level as an all round midfielder um, he can kind of play in any position but his natural role is um, CM on attack so that's one of the reasons I put out that tweet we spent a lot of time um, praising the CM on attack, you'll remember mm-hmm. throughout FM 22. And I intentionally w- went, moved away from it in FM 23, mainly just to, to try something different. Because um, you remember, we spoke a lot about Shola Shoratire in this CM on attack role. Once I saw his kind of natural role there, and I was like, look, we need to try a change. Um, it's ridiculous what's been happening with this role <laughs> and with this guy. He has been scoring uh, an insane amount of goals. Like, as it stands right now, He has scored 12 goals in the league in 18 starts and 10 um, sub appearances uh, in season two from the CM attack role. He scores a lot of goals by arriving late into the box. He -hmm. scores with first time shots. And in the last three or four games, he has scored three like mad, crazy headed goals. He's doing everything. He's Frank Lamparding it, Matt. Um, So I've kind of been like... It's slowing me down because I keep up to taking GIFs and recording just to kind of go, what? I'm <laughs> trying to figure out why this is going so well. Um, so if you, I mean, you can check the tweet. I put up a few bits and pieces on it um, there for any of the listeners who want to have a look in terms of his PIs um, and, and why I think it's working well. Um, long may it last, but he's got 12 goals already and we're in like, uh, are we in December? Uh, after the 18 games? Sorry, no, we're in uh, just at the end of January. Um, it's insane. So I'm very happy with that. I'm, I am
0: a, well, I haven't really played much FM at all recently, and we'll kind of touch on that in the, the main mm. topic of this week's pod. But uh, the CM attack, as you've already said, I think we were all very much loved in with that particular role last year in FM22. And looking at his attributes, there isn't really anything that kind of stands out and right? tells yeah. you he would be amazing, but equally, i think maybe there's some of his parts like he i wonder if like because the the c m attack role is it's more of a like a it's a running role it's obviously an mm. attacking role, so they'll be lots of forward runs, but it's not reliant on vision obviously that's more to do with passing and seeing those opportunities um he's got decent- de- like decisions but then low determination so there's a bit a bit of duality there in terms of his personality so you know out 12, 12 times out of 20 he'll make the right decision if you can look at it that way but then determination only half you know he, he may not be that bothered about getting into the box mm. um but maybe the cm attack role is op again but I'm not against it because I used to love watching those sort of late runs into the box and what have you that and I think, especially in the four-three-three, where you need an auxiliary presence, that third man run, yeah, in it, like pressing the, the the penalty area, especially if you're playing with a, a wide, one of your wide players is in more of a supporting role, and so is is less likely to attack the box. Which I think your tactic had set up
1: right. I think you had. So I, had one wing, I have an role. inside forward uh, support on the left. Um, and I do have a winger on the right on attack, but he's staying wide. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. That's that chain. So one, there's plenty of space for him to actually
0: yeah. exploit, which is which is what you want. Um, yeah, I always found until last year really struggling. Or I found myself really struggling to get a a single striker tactic properly working, yeah. Um, yeah. and that was mainly down to lack of support regardless of which roles I would have tried in the past whereas a CM attack last year was just it made that link up Mm. how you see it in real life and that was one of my favourite things and it wasn't even a case of it, it was like kind of accidental it's like this is what I would want to happen I don't want necessarily want all of my goals to come from players out wide I want that midfield presence to be arriving in the box and if you tie you know you you tie in the cm attack role plus the right um they're not called pleb p- but ppms anymore uh, right. uh traits thank you very much um I was, I was i was looking at older versions of fm recently and ppms has sort of fallen back into my football manager vocabulary mm. <laughs> um but if you get that with the right set of uh, traits they could be absolutely lethal and yeah. so like you said long may it continue this year right um we will shift gears and talk about the beta patch so that so and again i alluded to this in sort of the, the mini intro before we got started the, some people may not have even known about this, and there have been issues, and people will have been happily playing along. And I was trying to think: is that like the Schrödinger's cat thing? <laughs> like, whereas there's not a problem. If you know the the like Schrödinger's cat was the, Is the cat alive or dead, and, and it's neither until you look in the box. Um, whereas this is kind of like that, but also not like that. So if you've if you are a casual player or a Football Manager and you've just seen your game update from beta to full release, you think, all right, yeah, great. And you won't even think to look at patch notes because you don't care. You just want to play the game. Um, Whereas the hardcore, I'll use that quote-unquote, are very aware of the situation. And this is the first patch since the beta, um, which is rare. In fact, I think it may be the first time since there has been a Football Manager beta, a public beta available as part of the incentive to pre-order the game, Mm. that there hasn't been a patch drop with the full release, which is a big thing. And we were, both myself and Mad were looking before we started recording to try and find, there was a post on the forums that basically said we will not be making any changes or we we will not be releasing... A a patch until uh, we've addressed some of the issues that have been raised on the forums to do with uh, mainly defending, but there there is a whole host of patch notes that were released with this large patch. But the fact that they uh, that the team at Sports Interactive had decided to publicly state on the forum that they will not be um, they will not be a, releasing a a day one patch which is 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 now a modern part of games like you you play most other games you will get a huge patch on day one um we didn't get that and we've had to wait six weeks for some of these issues to be addressed and this was kind of where this entire topic started really um in that it there have been a few people and i've spoken to people off the record i guess but also my own personal sort of thoughts on it was that this is kind of spoiling my enjoyment knowing that the those issues exist and i've called it the defensive elephant in the room uh which um i think me and joe when we first, well, when when it was first noticed that say centre-backs were just or long balls over the top were ridiculously mm. overpowered and it would just be a long hoofed ball from the goalkeeper and it, it would eventually end up in the back of the net not necessarily direct but there, it wouldn't take much to be able to completely confuse and bedazzle your centre-halves regardless of their level of ability in comparison to the the, the level you're playing at and that was a I guess the one thing that got us thinking about it was Joe had posted a few, uh, a few gifs on Twitter saying that oh, th- this this is happening again in his Millwall save, and then there was a Discord conversation, and I said, what what like how tall is this guy who's getting on the end of these headers or these long balls from the goalkeeper? And he was six foot four, and he was a defensive midfielder, but realistically, he was massively out of position, so. Sort of put forward the theory that maybe the AI is sort of have, has noticed this weakness, and that he's taller than all of Joe's centre halves, and so he's now the target of these goalkeeping goalkeepers' kicks, like long kicks, to win the ball to knock it on for other strikers. But it felt like we were maybe trying to make an excuse for the game mm. and kind of rationalise where really there's a a bigger problem and it needs to be fixed. And it, it you know. It absolutely is but the main thing for me is that it put me off playing and very much I've barely touched it since sort of that issue has been acknowledged that it's an issue because I don't know how many people can handle playing that knowing that there's that there are fundamental defensive issues there that will lead to you conceding goals and equally you can't sort of replicate those exploits and maybe or you don't want to have to replicate those exploits to ensure that you can score as well because it becomes a bit boring or maybe you mm. fundamentally disagree with that style of football and you shouldn't feel you have to revert to that to be able to get success and i guess we've had similar things where gegenpress has been relatively overpowered and it's been quite easy to like you know if you if you're aggressive and press high eventually you will beat the team as long as your players are good enough um i would never call that game breaking though this has been probably the biggest game breaking issue that i've like i've noticed for a long time um would in, terms, you agree? in terms of
1: it actually stopping you playing, right, Matt? That's what you mean. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And <clears throat> like, you can argue what is game breaking or what isn't. A- am I still able to play the game? Absolutely, yes. Am I able to play it the way I want to? I would say no. Hmm. And I mean, I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that. Has it, like, knowing that those issues existed and that we were having to wait for a patch to drop, have they caused either your enjoyment uh, to sort of fluctuate or have they? caused you to not really the be like to put off playing basically.
1: Yeah. No, I definitely I wouldn't say <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, the throat. Um I wouldn't say it's at any point stopped me from playing. Obviously we've just gone through my save update and I'm a season in. And I think with a game like this, you know, we're we're all playing this for how many years? There's always something happening that we aren't overly happy with that eventually might get fixed or changed. So I think there's an element of being used to that. But for me, what it has done is it's definitely influenced how I play or how I'm setting up. And particularly, you know, that whole idea of defensive positioning, high balls, up balls over the top. Um, I've I've focused a lot to try and r- avoid that happening. Now, you remember I told you I wanted to play sexy football. You would think that that would involve things like, you know, a high press or, you know, defenders pushing up like um, wide center ass, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Whereas... Because I've seen uh, in in my own save, particularly in the early days of it, um, because I did concede a lot of goals over the top, because at the level I'm at, my defenders don't have much speed, because I've seen a lot of the stuff on Twitter and I saw you know some of the gifts that Joe put up, I've basically set out to counter it by playing a low block, by having my defenders drop off, by having a very defensive Baldwin midfielder helping to protect and cover. Um, I I had set out to have wing backs and I've eventually kind of molded them back to full back again just bringing everything back those couple of yards because like you said all of those you know the line moving up the balls coming over the top was killing me and equally I was looking at the strikers I'm playing against in the tier 2 of Netherlands you know they're not they're not that fast <laughs> um mm. in comparison to my defenders but they're still obviously getting way behind the lines so for me you know it I've set myself up to counter it it's great that the patches come out um and it's a big, big patch. Even you know, we're only talking about defenders. This this is covering a lot of aspects of the game. Um, and so, as you can see, they don't just drop a game and then go on holidays. You know, they want to make it better and better. Um, and shout out to the guys for that. But I control F for defender in this patch notes, and it's in there nine times. So that's good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so so we'll go like so for the match engine that yeah. I don't I don't think I've seen as many changes as there has been for the match engine alone. Mm. So there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23... 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35 changes just to do. Sorry, counting as with, with I, I didn't realise I are going to do that until I I'd sort of, th- oh, there's a few and then I realised I actually need to count every single one to make lot, sure I yeah, get this accurate. But 35 match engine changes alone and as you said, there are, there are nine of which that mention just defenders and they some of those are key changes. So, hmm. fixed defenders incorrectly stepping up at times when defending in a back three with no fullbacks slash wing-backs, which I think a lot of people have seen, especially those who are wanting to play with three at the back. Adjusted the directness in some teams. Reduced the number of unrealistic lofted passes. Reduced players losing the ball too cheaply when playing with back to goal. Reduced the frequency of defenders giving the ball away in and around the box. That is one of Joe's pet hates, mm. where he's seen players just stand gawping around and I know we've seen like players that have like the dwell on the ball trait we've seen those sorts of players like lose it because they're kind of waiting too long and it's just the way that the the match engine shows that happening and that's fine but when you've got centre halves that realistically they're going to want to hoof it in any you know in any danger and yes we do see it in real life where players dally around and lose the ball unnecessarily around the box, but not to the 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 consistency. We were seeing it in FM and when you're seeing it time and time again, three times within a match or more, something needs to be addressed. Uh, tweaks to defender anticipation when running towards the ball to attempt an interception. Uh, tweaks to defender decision making for area balls, and I yes. think we've seen that where where they just either jump poorly or don't jump at all. So it's nice to see that that's been addressed. Tweaks to defender reaction times in situations where they've switched off and made a a mistake. So obviously they've missed the ball and they're still waiting to move. Um, So that's that's another one. So yes, we may see Harry Maguire turning like the Titanic to react to it, but at least he's now reacting. Uh, Improved centre defender decision-making when covering for fellow centre-back outside the area which again is another good thing I think we've seen where players will push up to uh, to address the oncoming threat and then the other player does nothing uh, or does something completely bizarre and leaving you with a, an enormous hole that you're never going to ever rectify. And then finally, improved corner defending, particularly defending at the near post. So uh, for all of you abusing the near post corners, um, mate, that's now been patched you know who you are (laughs) 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 but loads of other things have been addressed and it's not just match engine stuff either so there's loads of other bits and they're all like it's all positive stuff like the fact that all of this has been put together yes they've taken extra time to do it but the fact that it they've addressed it and actually Wanted to make it better is, is always good. There has been another massive one as well that I hadn't even noticed until we, st- until we started recording, which is added native Apple Silicon support, which for those of you that you are using um, M1 or M2 MacBooks or Macs, that's huge because uh, actually having native Apple Silicon support m- means that the game might run even better than it already does. Um, so that is a nice little... Philip there for that I wasn't expected at all. Um, But yeah, loads and loads of other bits and pieces to go through. So if you have been seeing any particular issues in your save games, uh, have a look at the change list. There is a, a football manager or a tweet from the football manager, official account that will link you to the change list that is available on the forums for you to have a look through and see if there's anything that's been bugging you that has now been fixed and if there is still some some things that are annoying you and maybe it's your tactics mate um, to to use that but if there is like if you think there's a genuine issue then obviously use the forums to log them as well because they don't get fixed unless they are logged and I see I still see like people moaning on various social media about particular persistent problems and they wonder why they don't get fixed, because they don't actually put them in, report the them in the correct places. Now, you can argue whether forums are the best place for this sort of thing, and whether it's an archaic way of handling and, and tracking bugs. But ultimately, that's what Sports Interactive have decided, and how they, how they track them. At and least how, how they are made well public.
1: And, and how quickly they, they do tend to go, like, you, you see someone pick up on it. It's not it doesn't go and sit there for a week or two there's usually someone on these within a day when you're as long as you bugs.
0: provide them with the information that they need to actually investigate it they will look at it or they will tell you it's a known issue or yeah. whatever so there it's it is a relatively transparent way of of reporting bugs which I don't think you will necessarily get in other walks of life and other game development you compare this to most other developers and you will just see it's like a, a vacuous hole where reports will go and then no one ever addresses them um, and you only have to take the look at uh, F1 Manager for example that they have ceased support for a game after three months of release which is mental when you think about it when basically half that time in, or in half that time SI have spent six weeks trying to make the game like fix issues that they're, they're aware of in the game and that not, they, they themselves are not happy with. Um,
1: I think it's yeah, there, at, you know, like with, with all the, you know, I know we talked about features before and there hasn't been huge amounts of big, you know, groundbreaking new features. But when you think about things like the way they're allowing us to have more flexibility with regard to pressing low block high block you know i mean i'd imagine that there's a fine line between you know going out and putting in that high press high block tactic style tactical style and then the you know simultaneously they've they've even stated that they, they've made the ai smarter so the ai you know you you can think about it like there there's a back line just pushing pushing up pushing up putting pressure yeah let's just put the ball over behind them <laughs> so like i think that's where there's a fine line of getting it right and getting it balanced versus it kind of overdoing it quite quickly too soon and then obviously deploying a bit of a fix but
0: ultimately they were it doesn't matter which which they would have opted for like which choice they were damned mm. if they do and damned if they don't they either take the the way they've chosen which is we're not going to put anything out now we will get it right and then release it and you'll get the people that say well this is a problem now why can't you fix it or they'll do it the other way around and we'll rush out a hotfix and it either makes it worse or it doesn't fix it entirely and then you get people moaning anyway so mm. you can't win in that situation in the situation they're in and you equally you'll get the people that moan saying oh you should ship a perfect game It doesn't exist like it just doesn't yeah. exist like in what in what world does software get released without bugs like especially now in in Sort of as things are, that there are like games from yesteryear when they're on cartridges that were shipped with bugs and they just existed with those bugs like infinitum. They didn't, they were never fixed because there wasn't a a way to repair them. Whereas at least now it's super easy for patches to get pushed out and everyone just gets the latest version. So it's not, uh, you will always get people moaning, I guess, is kind of the, the, um, the moral of this story, um, but a at patch, least a patch isn't
1: uh, just for Christmas. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I
0: mean that's the other thing. At least it out, is out before Christmas, and right. I, I before we sort of knew that the patch was coming, and it kind of caught everyone up on the hop. I think like I, I certainly wasn't expecting. It. I wasn't expecting it before Christmas. I thought it'll be a, a it'll it'll end up getting to the point where they're too close to Christmas to be able to support the patch. And so they'll have to wait until they've got a, a sort of a fuller complement within the office to be able to release it. And they'd end up just putting it out with the winter, the, the usual big winter patch, because it would make the most sense, because then they can test it fully. Whereas we've at least got something before Christmas. So those of you that are fortunate enough to have time off over The festive period. It means that you can sort of now, if you have been a sort of a bit disenfranchised with a save that you started because because of the defensive problems or anything else, it means that you can now go as ham as you were hoping for on full release, albeit a bit delayed. I think we've talked enough about this. So um, you said you had a quiz for me, so I'm a bit scared. So do your worst, I guess. It's time for the quiz.
1: I mean, there's nothing to be scared about, Matt, uh, apart from the fact that you're doing, answering a quiz on your own in front of everyone who's listening to us right now. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, all that can be questioned here is your intelligence, your integrity, uh, your football knowledge and your football manager experience. Apart from that, we're all good. Um, I mean, I, I forgot what traits weren't called now, so PPMs. it goes well. <laughs> So Matt, what I want to do is I want to put you to the test. Uh, As you and I are recording here now, we're probably what? We're about 45 minutes away from the kickoff of England against Senegal in the last 16 of the World Cup. So I want to test your World Cup knowledge. Um, And keeping a bit of a football manager theme here, it's, it's kind of relating to wonder kids. What I want to do, Matt, is to see how well you know England at the World Cup. For each of the World Cups that England have been in for the last 10 World Cups that we're on, I want to ask you for the youngest player that was in that squad, and I'll give you a little bit of help along the way. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'll name the year, um, I'll na- I'll say the player's age and position, and you can see if you can give me a guess, um, and then I can drop you clues about who the manager was, who what club they played for, and so on, depending on how you go. Okay, it is this Christmas is after gonna, all, Matt, isn't it? going is be. Gonna nice. be
0: a, I mean, this it, this is going to be a disaster. <laughs>
1: You better get, (laughs) as long as you get the current one, then we're we're fine. Okay. And that's where we're going to start, Matt. So the first one is the World Cup 2022. The youngest player in the England squad is a 19-year-old midfielder. It's Jude Bellingham. It is, of course, Jude Bellingham. Well done. And now we go back four years. So we're going back to World Cup 2018, uh, which was in Russia. And the youngest player in that squad was a 19-year-old defender. Uh, Trent Alexander Arnold. He's got it right, folks. Trent Alexander an- Alexander Arnold was called up by Gareth Southgate at the age of nineteen. We go back four years to the World Cup 2014 in Brazil. And this time it was an eighteen year old defender who was the youngest member of the squad. <laughs> And what I'll say to you is, I'll be a bit more specific. It was an 18 year old fullback, wingback, not a centre back.
0: That was eight years ago, man.
1: Brain. I know, right? But he was aged 18 at the time. I can tell you that the manager of that team, could you know, do, do you know the manager of that team in 2014? Brazil? Hodgson. Roy Hodgson.
2: Oh,
0: I'm uh, Luke Shaw. Maybe
1: he's three for three, folks. Luke really? Shaw I, playing well, for Man okay. United. I just, I think he had just signed for Man United, um, and was indeed the youngest in that squad. Fair play, Matthew. So we're going to go on to 2010 now. So we're nice. all the way back 12 years ago to South Africa, um, and the then youngest keeper, oh, keeper, the youngest player. He, no clues there. The youngest player in the squad was a goalkeeper <laughs> who was 23.
0: Uh, Jack Which Butland.
1: Incorrect.
2: Ooh.
0: So Joe Hart was starting at that? No, it wasn't. No, he wasn't. It was. Um, it was, was it Joe right. Hart. It wasn't Joe was, oh, Hart. Oh, so it was. Rob Green was. Uh, that was the Rob Green World Cup,
1: right? Wasn't it? I and can tell you, David, David James, James was, the was there. The yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Age thirty-nine, which uh, is insane. Bonus point, Matt. Who was the manager at that time? Twenty ten. Yes. Oh fuck. Uh,
0: um, I'm trying to think because there was the whole Anadise thing in between as mm-hmm. well, wasn't there?
1: Oh. Mm. oh Capella, Oh, Of course, it was. Fabio Capello, 2010. Well done. So you're four for four, Matt. Only six more to go. <laughs> 2006. Breaking. The World Cup was on in Germany. The youngest player in the England squad was a 17-year-old forward. Or
0: Theo Walcott.
1: Theo Walcott, indeed. Called up by Sven Sven Gorn Eriksson for the 2006 World Cup, age 17. Let's go back four years to the famous 2002 World Cup, famous for Irish people because that was the Roy Keane fiasco uh, in Japan and South Korea. Stephen
0: Reid was in that squad, by the way.
1: You love Stephen Reid,
0: Um
1: So, we're 2002. The youngest player in that squad was a 20-year-old midfielder, attacking midfielder. In 2002.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: No, that's too it's uh, Stephen Gerrard.
1: I can tell you it is not Stephen Gerard.
2: <laughs>
0: mm. <sighs> Should know this. I'm, i might be getting a bit there's there's too bit too much crossover in my own head.
1: <laughs> there's a lot going on Frank, up in that head.
0: Uh, Frank Lampard would didn't start really playing for England until two thousand and four Euros. So you're on the right
1: track but it's not Frank
2: Lampard.
0: Kieran Dyer?
1: It is not Kieran Dyer. I can it's tell Kieran. you that the club that this player played for at the time was West Ham United. Joe likes this.
0: Uh, oh, um... Carrick? Drake not Cole. Carrick.
1: Joe Cole. Joe Cole was <laughs> age 20 go through in all of them. 2002. So I just had to go through every one of them. <laughs> Um, but you got there in the end Matt it was of course Joe Cole uh, also under Sven-Gorn Eriksson 1998 in the World Cup Michael held Owen. in France Michael Owen aged 18 was called up by then manager mm-hmm. uh, Glenn Hoddle Glenn Hoddle well done almost there Matt we skip a World Cup now uh, in 1994 do we need to talk about it Ireland well, were there and England weren't so that's all I need to talk about John
0: Aldridge going mental yes that's yeah
1: absolute lunatic
0: and that Ray Houghton goal as well still
1: for me the best World Cup game. goal of history but that's just mm-hmm. me slightly biased ever so slightly so we go back to Italia 90 Matt the youngest player that was called up for the England squad was aged 23 and he's a midfielder Paul
0: Gascoigne.
1: that's a massive shout Matt was of course Paul Gascoigne playing for Tottenham at the time that's a huge shout well done can't imagine Paul Gascoigne at 23 he's must have been mental over in Italy. But anyway, four years before that, Matt, we're back to the year of yours and my birth, I believe, 1986. Oh, no, 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 no.
0: No? no? I didn't exist at this point. Oh, you're no. in
1: 87, kid, are you? Yeah. Ah, oh, okay. That's just, I just outed myself as the oldest member of the Five Star Potential <laughs> Podcast. I think Joe, I think you might be level with Joe, actually. I'll have to check in with him. I have a feeling I'm older. Uh, so we're in 1986, the World Cup in Mexico. It's the last one, Matt, by the way. The World Cup in Mexico. The youngest player in that squad was a 22-year-old winger.
2: I don't know if I'm gonna get this.
0: It's like in all of the documentaries you see, it's one, it's that the area of the squad that isn't really that well covered. I don't think, or is it one
1: that I should be kicking myself over? And uh, I wouldn't say kicking yourself, but um, like he's yeah, uh, I I think he was a w- would have been a winger at the time, winger forward basically. Not, I wouldn't say number nine, um, because
0: Lineker would have, Lineker was like de facto number ten, but he was yeah. the, the striker in that team. Um, and it's not Uh <laughs> obviously, and he, he was
1: only played as a winger at Barca. I do know that much, but mm. um. I can tell you that at the time this player was playing for Watford.
0: John Barnes.
1: My next clue was going to be about world in motion and rapping. So I'm glad we didn't have to go there because <laughs> uh, it is, yes, of course, John Barnes, aged 22 in the 1986 World Cup in Mexico. Well, there the, we go. There you go, Matt. We did have um, a little
0: bit of help? i um, by a little bit, quite a lot. A, li- a little bit. <laughs> we, we were
1: all rooting for you, Matt, you see, Do you know, we, 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 we didn't want to have you too much on the spot. Um, but we also—it's also nice to go into the annals and the archives of Matt's brain and see what comes out. So well done, you did good.
0: Yeah, for the years that I don't exist, I—I—I I, I, I have a very selective, well, history. Depending on, like, considering I don't—I don't physically remember it. It depends on what I've watched as to what has built up my memory to sort of get to the level like Brian mm-hmm. Clough stuff. I know because i just obsessed over it over his career, whereas other things, and especially international bits and pieces, less so. Anyway, thank you for that. I, mean, I Even though I was very much under the cosh, I did, did enjoy it. Um, and hopefully those of you listening did too. And that brings us to the end of episode 277. You can find the links for each of us in the podcast description or by visiting 5 com, where you can find... All of our latest Football Manager content 5 Star Potential is available on iTunes Spotify and most other popular podcast apps and platforms with a new podcast released every week thank you all for listening there will be more from us next week say goodbye folks I can say it because there's two of us and it's not weird because I'm saying it on my own where's your, wait where's John and
1: oh shit I just noticed they're not here oh brilliant you didn't <laughs> even
0: say say so, goodbye folks goodbye Same. folks
1: thank you Oh <laughs> damn it One job. One (laughs) job.